Hey, good morning, Kingdom City Church. How are we all doing? Hey, stay standing. Stay standing for just a moment because it's a significant Sunday and we have something to celebrate. As of this week, we are now owners of our new South location. We bought a building together, all for the glory of God. But you know, we know it's been such a season to get to this place and and you've been so faithful. Your generosity, your prayer has made all the difference. So come on, let's just give God a little glory because we are now owners of our new building. How good is that? And uh, we got a lot more to do uh, in, in the coming weeks. I'll be unpacking it and giving us the plan that we won't just own a building. We're going to be in that place and we're going to make it beautiful and amazing. And the most amazing part of it isn't the the design or the structure, which will be amazing, but the most incredible part will be the lives that will be forever changed as we are declaring kingdom come in this season for all of our locations, but in this new place specifically in South Kansas City. It's very, very exciting. Okay, now you can grab your seats. We're gonna jump right in as we complete this series of sermons that we call New Skills for the Next Season. New skills for the next season. We're completing it when we're talking about the skill of prayer. The skill of prayer. Now you might be thinking, okay, uh, prayer is a spiritual discipline, and you would be right. But we believe every good God thing, every great thing God does, starts in connection and communication with Him. So though prayer is a spiritual discipline, there's something holy about it. It's also a practice. It, with anything that you can practice, it can be refined. It can be learned, it can be stretched, it can grow, so we can grow in our abilities. Now the disciples who saw Jesus do ministry, uh, walked with Jesus, hung with Jesus, were close with Jesus, they could have asked Jesus all sorts of things to, that they would want to know from him. And yet they asked one specific thing. They could have asked, hey, um, how do we heal people? How do we preach better? Uh, how do we love people more? But they asked instead, how, how do we pray? Like, they knew how to pray. They grew up in church. They grew up in their local synagogue. Uh, they knew how to pray, but they didn't know how to pray like Jesus prayed. And so they came to Jesus and said, would you teach us to pray like you pray? Teach us to pray as if God was right there. Teach us to lean in and grow us in this ability to pray. And we all want to grow in prayer. I don't know another believer out there that wouldn't say, ah, you know what? I, I don't really want to grow in prayer. But the truth is our, our viewpoint, our excitement about prayer, our expectation when we pray can be, very, uh, can be varying. There's a lot of people that, uh, hey, they feel a calling to prayer, but every one of us as believers need to grow in our ability to pray. And if you want the next season of your life to be the significant thing that God has for you, you gotta stretch this place of prayer. We need communication with God. We need God's help because you cannot get to the fullness of your destiny apart from God's hand and God's grace. And when we pray, we believe God hears and God activates and God goes to work. If you want a better life, grow in your ability to pray. Pray. If you want to contend for all that God has for your family, for your future. In this new season, as our kids are going back to school, how many parents, we are praying that they have a great transition and growing into all that God has for them. So we have to ask, why don't we grow in the skill of prayer or this stretch of prayer? Well, why do we treat prayer like it's a spare tire after we break down instead of the steering wheel that guides our life? I think the main reason we don't stretch in our prayer is we think, like, man, we don't feel like God's really there. We, we might pray about something knowing that we're supposed to, 
but we don't sense his presence. We don't feel like he is answering or he's available. And for many believers in our church, maybe you've just never been taught the importance and the priority of having not just a prayer moment and not even just a, a prayer time in your day, but having a lifestyle of prayer. That, that we're praying about everything, as the Bible says. The Bible has a lot to say about prayer. And today, we're going to make a prayer push. So we're not just going to teach. We're going to actually activate prayer. My time up here with you is going to be short because we want to have a significant moment to actually pray together as a church family. So I'm not just going to teach you theory. We're going to practice prayer today. It's a prayer push Sunday for us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says we have a confidence. We have a confidence that when we approach God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And you know, okay, he, God hears us. God's up there. God's listening. But, but does it work? Um, anything that we pray according to his will? Verse 15 says that we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. But it says when we pray according to his will. And I think that term right there, it is significant. It's a theological understanding we're needing to grab a hold of today. But I think according to his will has popped a billion faith bubbles. The people have believed like, okay, I'm desiring this thing from God, but is this God's will? Is this God's desire for me? And I think that, that according to his will has stopped and silenced so many people of prayer from actually leaning in and continuing asking him for something significant. If it matters to you, it matters to your God. We're not in a religion where we're activating relationship based upon our works. But in this relationship, we can activate God's heart and God's hand by our communication with him. And you just need to know about the will of God, that if he sent his best, his one and only son, to go to the cross for humanity's worst before we even knew him, what wouldn't he do for you? That's the heart of God. Romans 12, we know that verse. It says we don't live like the world lives. We don't go to culture. We change culture. We transform culture by the changing of our thinking, or the Bible calls it the renewing of our mind. And then it says that if we have our minds renewed, then we'll be able to test and to prove what God's will is. And this is what it says the God, will, God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if it's good, pleasing, and perfect, it's God's will. doesn't mean that God is going to give you everything you ask for when you say please, but he'll perfect you according to his will. But you cannot allow that heart desire to not be activated in prayer because you're wondering, does God even have anything good for me? When we start from a place that God is good, God is pleased now with us, not based upon our performance, but based on the completion of the cross, and that he is perfecting that which concerns us, then we can pray with some boldness, knowing that he hears us, and then when he answers, and he will answer, that his answer will align with his perfect plan that is good, pleasing, is perfect in our life. So your prayers should be a whole lot more focused on, on what God is completing in you, rather than God just completing your checklist. Because God might not answer your prayer the way that you want, but you have to know that he's up to something good. You might pray for winning lottery numbers. Like the guy that just won, he just won one point something billion dollars in Illinois. And if you're watching online right now, don't forget we love you deeply here at Kingdom City Church. 
all jokes aside, you might pray for something that, uh, that's a stretch. But if you pray, pray for provision, doesn't God's word say he's going to meet all your needs? Isn't one of his names given to him, Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides? So you might not get it the way exactly you asked for it, but you have to understand that he knows better. And he's prepared something in your life to grow you, to stretch you, to strengthen you so that you can be walking in that will that is good and pleasing and perfect. So how much should we pray? The Bible says a lot. The Bible says continually. In fact, in my Bible, in Luke chapter 18, there's a parable that Jesus says. And he says, hey, let me tell you a story. And I'm going to tell you this story, this parable, so that you can learn about pushing into prayer, about continually persistent in your prayer. And it says there that, that Jesus says that it is necessary for people to pray consistently and never quit. Yeah. Jesus says here, verse 1, that Jesus told his disciples to this parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Yeah. In other words, be persistent in prayer and don't give up just because it doesn't get answered the moment that you pray it. Yeah, right. I think prayer is important and it's a necessity in our life. And we can pray my heart for us as a church, that we don't just pray more, that we pray with more boldness. We pray with more authenticity. You do not have to polish up your prayers and give them New King James or Old King James English. You don't have to pray with Christianese. In fact, I don't think God even wants to hear any of that. He wants to hear your heart. And so my heart for us as a church is that we wouldn't just pray more, we'd pray more boldly. We'd pray bigger. We wouldn't just pray one way. We'd pause after we pray and listen to what God might say. Because I tell you, the moment you pray and you pause and you hear God speak back to your heart, encourage something in your life, that is like addictive to your prayer life. And some of you have never experienced that. I, I pray that you would even experience that this Sunday morning, that when we pray together, that we'd have a moment of pause, that you'd feel like God would speak to your heart. So if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about the prayer push. How do we push into prayer? How do we push for, for miracles, for breakthroughs, for not just little things we want? How about the big things we're believing that God has for us? And you might be thinking, are miracles, like, are they still around? And I think if we took a poll of how many people in the room have experienced a miracle, in fact, let's just do that right where you're at, on the plaza online up north. How many say, I- I've experienced a miracle in your life? Come on, raise your hand, lift up your hands. Here in the room, here with the team, uh, hands are all up. More hands are up than hands are down. So you look around, that might encourage your faith that miracles are still happening. Now, how do we get in a place where we can pray and believe that miracles can still happen for us today? And there's a couple different ways of thinking. And in fact, I think there's two camps when it comes to doctrine or theology that we should avoid. One of those is a cessationist. That means to cease. These are people that say, yeah, miracles used to happen back in the Bible day, but they're not a part of my everyday. In fact, they're not really alive today. That when the apostles died, the power of God to perform miracles stopped. And to me, I think that is dry, it flies directly in the face of the goodness of God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he calmed the storms with just his words, can the word of God not calm the storms in your life? If Jesus healed those that came to him in hurting seasons, can he not heal your hurts and even your physical pain? We don't see miracles all the time, but we walk every day with the God of all miracles. There's also another group that just lives for miracles all the time. 
that everything has to be a miracle uh, or a sign and wonder. And I don't think we should go down that road either. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 that there's a group that looks for wisdom and there's a group that just looks for the miraculous. But Paul says we just keep proclaiming Christ because I believe in Jesus is both the wisdom to make right decisions where you won't need a miracle bailout in your life, but also there's the power of God to do things you cannot do as we live forward on the mission of Jesus. A miracle in a moment is where God's divinity meets the frailty of our humanity. And I don't know about you, but I could get up here and preach, and I might look like I have it all together, but I got mess and mistakes and issues and struggles like we all do. I got areas where I haven't seen God show up quite yet. Just even in this getting into our new building season has caught me to a place where I've got to have God show up because we just could not manufacture the solution in our own wisdom or ability. We needed God, and we need him in our life. If we're ever going to do anything significant for the kingdom of God, we're going to need God's power at work. There's a beautiful story in the book of Mark that they bring Jesus, this person that needs a miracle. And if you look at it just on the surface, it's a strange story. It's unlike any other story of Jesus' healing encounters with people. But I think we can learn how to uh, push into prayer and have this prayer push in our life as we look and, and, and learn from this miracle in this moment. It says in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, that they came to Bethesda, and some people brought him, this man who was blind, and they begged him to, Jesus, to touch him. Now, Jesus was actually taking a little break from ministry in this moment, uh, but they come and they, they bring him to Jesus and say, would you restore him? Would, would you help him? Can you save his situation? And Jesus didn't say, no, I'm on vacation. Leave me alone. Jesus said, no, I, I see you, and I see that you're seeking help. You're coming to connect with me for solution. Let me bring solution. Yeah. And the Bible says that he brought this blind man. He took him by the hand, and he led him out away from everyone else in the village. Yeah. And he said he spit on the man's eyes which is another reason why this story is a bit peculiar. And then laid hands on him and then asked him, do you see anything? And this man looked up and says, well, I see, I see men, but they also, they kind of look like trees walking around. And Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And this time his eyes were completely opened. His sight was completely restored and he saw everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him home. It's a strange story. It's a story where it seems like, does Jesus' power only halfway work? Did Jesus not have the ability to, to, to complete it, put it over the, the finish line, to get into the end zone of this miracle endeavor? But what we learn is that Jesus isn't weak, that we learn that with his touch, he can bring healing. We also, we see in other stories, Jesus had got enough power that someone just touches the fringes of his garment. This woman who's struggled with this issue of blood for 14 years, and she's healed by that moment of faith. Jesus has all the power. He could bring Lazarus back to life with just his voice. But Jesus comes and says, hey, this moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do things a little different. And then I'm going to ask you an authentic question. And then I'm going to complete the situation. We can learn about prayer through this passage because, I mean, not everything happens immediately. Yeah. We pray in a moment and then we give up. We pray over a problem. And, and yes, it's good to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. The Bible says we can pray about everything all the time. And then when we pray, we can have this peace that surpasses understanding. Not that the problem will completely be solved in the moment, but we can have peace in the meantime. Right. So, so often we stop praying 
are believing for God to do something big because he hasn't answered it in our timing. But I want to tell you, healing, restoration, provision, breakthrough in your life is the will of God. And the way that God works that is up to his timing. But when we learn to push into prayer, when we learn to have this prayer push, we can grow knowing that we might need to practice patience while we wait on the power of God. That we might have to practice persistence while we wait on the power of God. But we don't just pause and do nothing. We keep going. Remember, Luke 18, we should always be praying and never give up. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, when you've done everything to stand, stay standing. When you've prayed everything you can pray, keep praying. When you've cried out to God, keep crying out. Uh, I've already talked about the lotto uh, today, and it's not a theme of this message, but <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. What does winning the lottery and liposuction have in common? Uh, any takers? <laughs> you might want both of those things, and that's fine for you. But let me just say they both bypass the power of process. They are shortcuts. And if you take the shortcut, good for you. But there is power in process. Prayer unlocks the power in our life when we not go through the motions, but when we trust the process. Because sometimes there's a process to our perfection. Sometimes there's a hesitation from heaven before the healing. It's not that heaven is hesitating. It's that God is developing something greater in us. Sometimes we've got to take a step forward in faith before the door that God is destined for us swings open. Sometimes there's a delay so God can do something greater. This is why we learn to push into our prayer. At the gym that I have not worked at in a while, full disclosure. But when I do, I see the same lady there all the time. She's got the same trainer that she's paying good money for him to take her through her workout. And she does the same workout every day. In fact, she wears the same shirt every single day, which I'm hoping she has a lot of them. But then maybe she just has one because I'm, all not, I'm not that worried about it because I've actually never seen her sweat. I've never seen her push. They kind of just go through the motions. In fact, they do a lot more of this than this. They do a lot. Of, it's, her, it's her social time at the club. And good for her. Getting your relational fix is great. But that's not going to fix her physical issues. you got to learn to push in. And the trainer never pushes her. And she really isn't all that concerned. I've come to find that people that are really interested in having God change their circumstances, change their life, are people that push in. There are some people that just want God to change their situation, but not change them. So sometimes when we pray, we want him to be our problem solver, but we actually don't want to make progress in our faith. This is why having a prayer push will grow you, the man or woman that God's called you to be, that helps you actually grow in your inside before God ever does anything on the outside. So it is trainer time today. We're not just going to talk about prayer. We're actually going to keep pushing. We're going to keep pushing even if it feels like there's been a pause in the situation. I had a haircut um, recently, and uh, I, I took a photo that uh, I think is going to pop up on the screen for you. And this was when I was in the beginning of the process. The barber that I go to, his name is Joe. Shout out to Joe the barber. <laughs> Joe combs all my hair forward, and he's just getting started. And then I'm not worried because I've been there before. I know he's going to finish what he starts. Yeah. So when you first see it and he first starts cutting, it looks 
It looks hysterical, as you've seen. But I trust the stylist. I trust the barber. Why? They went to school. They passed a test. They got a little picture on the wall that shows that they are verified to do this job. They have documentation that represents the fact that they know what they're doing. And can I say, sometimes when God hasn't done something all the way with you, you might feel a little awkward. It might look a little different. It might feel like it's been paused a little bit or you haven't made any progress. But we have documentation that God knows what he's doing when it comes to destiny and development in your life. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that you are God's masterpiece. Let me tell you, if you've been praying and believing for something that hasn't happened yet and you've paused on the prayer, I want to encourage you, get your prayer pushed back. Because God's going to complete and finish off the thing that he wants in you, for you, through you, and around you. God's word is documentation of his pedigree that he's always faithful. He's always perfect. He is for you, and he has a master plan. So when we pray and things feel like they're paused, we learn to push in. We learn to push in. So the story in, in Mark's gospel of the man that's halfway healed before he's fully healed, we can learn a couple things from that when it comes to prayer push. First, that God or Jesus takes him by the hand and takes him out of his normal environment. Uh, which as a blind man, you know, he probably had a routine that he was always in. And if we're going to learn how to push into prayer, you might need to know that God might take you out of your comfort zone. Right. God might take you out of your normal to do something he's never done before. To do the abnormal, he might change your normal. Yeah. Notice that he does it by the hand. He doesn't call at you from a distance. But even in your prayer time, in your devotional time, even in your relationships, he might readjust some things. Yeah. By the grip of his grace, pull you out of the regular routine so that you can actually get away with him so he can do what he wants to do in your life. I think we also learn in this prayer push story that he will test your humility. Prayer is one of the ultimate tests of humility. That I'm going to pray to the God of heaven and earth, the God of the universe. I'm going to pray to the God that I haven't ever seen, but I believe and know that he's real. I'm going to humble out. I'm going to, I'm going to confess my issues, my struggles, my hang-ups. I'm going to ask for his help. Because we know that God wants re relationship and he wants like reliance on him. That's what's best for us. So when Jesus spits on this man and, and, and takes him out of his normal, he's saying, do you trust me to do things that might not make sense to you in the moment, but I know what I'm doing. And I wonder how many of us in our prayer life, we need to just get back to that place of humility, that we got to have him. Yeah. Any way that he wants to do it, any journey he wants to take us on, we're down for it. Great. And the Jesus, who seems like he partially heals this guy, asks him, like, hey, can you see? Do you've got any progress? And then the man says, like, honestly, honestly, I see a little, but it's not everything I was wanting. Wow. And I think with God, the third thing you can learn is that he's expecting honesty from us. Yeah. Like, can, you know you can be authentically open and completely transparent with your God. Yeah. Hey, newsflash, he already knows everything. Yeah. What he's wanting from you is not for you to fake it, right. uh, not for you to pretend like you've got all their own solutions. He isn't expecting you to be perfect, perfect. He's actually wanting to perfect you. And he does that from a place of authenticity and honesty, yeah. where it's not you trying to keep your mask on with mm -hmm. him. You might need a mask in some settings and places, but I encourage you, you don't need it with God. You don't need to strike a pose or pretend like you've got it all together. He's after honesty, and honesty will always develop intimacy and dependency. 
when you're honest with your spouse, you, you might have some things to talk through, but you're gonna grow in intimacy and dependency, uh, like knowing that you, you're there for your spouse, you're, you're with them. But then we learn that if this man will be willing to be led by Jesus, get out of our normal, if we're willing to walk in humility, if we'll have authenticity and honesty, then we know that I believe this, he will restore you completely. Like some of you just need to grab a hold of that word for your heart right now. He knows what he's up to in your life. But he wants to know, are you willing to come after me? Are you willing to follow me? Jesus says, come to me, all that are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. You cannot get rest from your soul anywhere else. No money in the world, no relationship apart from God in the world can give you a real rest in your inside world. The only way that we get there and activate that is to come to him. And if we keep coming to him, and how do we do that with an invisible God? We come to him in prayer. We push into prayer, and we can trust that he will finish that which concerns you. He will complete the situation. And yes, I know there's stories of people that believe for their whole life and never get the answer. But God does not do things halfway in the long term. I think about Paul's story, the Apostle Paul with a thorn in the flesh. The Bible says it was an enemy of Satan sent it to buffet him. That's like a reoccurring wave of resistance against his ministry, against his life. Whether it was a physical ailment or a constant attack, he had both of those going on. It could have been both. And yet God says, I'm not going to take it all away. My grace is enough. But not just so you have enough grace to just keep going, Paul. No, he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, when you might not get the answer that you want, but I'm working something even more powerful through your life. So Jesus takes this man on this halfway journey, but he ends up getting him fully healed and restored. Some of you are settling for the halfway life. Some of you are settling for the halfway prayer. Some of you are settling with, like, yeah, I prayed about it once. But Jesus' word says we should always pray and never give up. Let's be people that push into prayer. Because sometimes when all we're trying to do is just get one thing answered, we miss the beauty of all that he's doing around us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we only see, like, we see him as like a reflection in the mirror. The message paraphrase says we, we don't see things yet clearly. Just like this man in Jesus' story didn't see everything clearly but we're squinting in this fog and we're, we're peering through a mist. In other words, we're trying to get the full picture. And I can't give you absolutes and resolution about every halfway prayer that's working in your life, but God can. Yeah. And God will perfect that which concerns you. Yeah. If you're seeing through a fog, how do you see better? You turn the lights on. You turn the light on. You shine the light brighter. And when we pray and when we push into prayer, God illuminates the path and shows us the way forward. And that's what we're going to do today. We're not just going to talk about prayer. We're having a prayer push together. Philippians chapter 1 says, I am certain that this God, this God that we're trusting, this God that we're leaning into, this God that we have a relationship, will be, he who began this good work within you will continue this work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We know that Jesus is returning one day or we're going to go be with him. But what we can be resolute in right now in this relationship is that Jesus is at work. He is answering prayer. He sometimes might pause for a moment so that we can push in to get closer to him. So this is what I want for all of us. I'm going to invite some of the team up to lead us in a prayer 
push. For some of you, you've not prayed in a long time. Maybe you've never prayed before. Today's going to be a day we're going to pray, not just personally. We're going to pray as a team. We're going to participate in prayer together because we need God's hand on our life in this next season. We're sharpening this skill so we can walk into this new season as people of prayer, people of power, and people making progress as people being built by God here at Kingdom City Church to bring heaven to earth. This city needs more of heaven, and we need more of heaven's help. And we're going to cry out to the one that not only hears us, he goes to work. And we believe we're praying for God to change us, to change our church, to change our region, to, 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 to change our nation, and to change the world. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to pray together. Father God, I thank you for every heart, everyone watching, everyone in the room, everyone who's a part of this church family, any guest that's in the house today. I pray that they would be ignited to go after you to push into prayer like never before. And as we make this prayer push, we're not trying to just by raising our voice get your attention we have your ear because you care deeply about us. But as we pray together, let us pray with the confidence of us in coming into your throne room of grace, knowing that you answer our prayers and you hear us and that your will will be done in our life. In fact, at the end of it all, God, that's what we're praying because your will is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's better than our plan. And so we're going to pray for your will be done in our lives, in our situation, in our kids going back to school, in this new season that you have for us as a church, in what you want to do through our church and through our lives in Kansas City and beyond. God, I thank you ahead of time that we'll keep pushing in and we'll make this a season of prayer so that this season can be significant and heaven's going to show up in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Come on, let's celebrate this opportunity to pray together. And let's lean in and pray. I love you, church, very much. I cannot wait to hear all that God does in our prayer time that starts now and continues for the rest of our life.